Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It does something very odd to, to you because it... Because it doesn't reflect any light at all, it just looks like a hole in, in reality. Hello, I'm Dallas Campbell and welcome once again to Patented, a podcast all about the history of inventions and other things. Uh, brought to you from History Hit. It's a pleasure to have your company. It's a history podcast, first and foremost, and usually, if I'm honest, we spend a lot of time talking about dead people, people who aren't around anymore. But today, I have got a living, breathing human inventor, and it's Ben Jensen to talk about his invention, more of which in, in a second. My favourite book of all time, well, is it my favourite? Well, it probably is my favourite book of all time, The, the Hitchhiker's Guide for the Galaxy and Associated Books. There's a bit in the restaurant at the end of the universe, which you'll probably remember because I'm sure you've read it. And it's the bit when they come out of the restaurant and they're in this spaceship car park where Marvin has been cleaning cars and they're just sort of ogling all the different spaceships. And there's one in particular that catches their eye. There's a bit I want to read to you just very briefly because it kind of sets up our episode for today quite nicely. Zaphod's attention, however, was elsewhere. His attention was riveted on the ship standing next to hot black Desiato's limo. His mouths hung open. That, he said, that is really bad for the eyes. Ford looked. He stood astonished. It was a ship of classic, simple design, like a flattened salmon, 20 yards long, very clean, very sleek. There was just one remarkable thing about it. It's so black said Ford Prefect. You can hardly make out its shape. Light just seems to fall into it. Zaphod said nothing. He had simply fallen in love. The blackness of it was so extreme it was almost impossible to tell how close you were standing to it. Your eyes just slid off it, said Ford in wonder. It was an emotional moment. He bit his lip. (sighs) I always remember that description of black and I think it's because As humans, we're obsessed or we love to imagine the extremes of things, the biggest things, the loudest things, the heaviest things, the smallest things. And that was a really good example of the blackest thing. And then this came along and I've actually got it on my desk and it's the invention we're going to be talking about today from Ben and it's called Vanta Black. And it was released in 2014 and I've got a bit of it in front of me here in a see-through perspex case. And it is exactly as Ford and Zaphod described in it. But your eyes just seem to slide off it. It is so black, you can't make out anything. It absorbs 99.9999, whatever it is, 
percentage of light and it is an extraordinary thing to look at <laughs> it's it sits in pride of place in my in my bookshelf as my portable black hole and when it was released it had this rather large and unexpected impact i think not just as a, a an unexpected but useful invention it had a strange impact as a cultural curiosity as well amongst the art world which we'll we'll touch on a little bit in the show but anyway i talked to ben about nanotechnology how the invention came about what it is we talk a little bit about art as well and we talk a, a bit about human emotions too it's amazing where an invention can take you once it's been unleashed onto the world <laughs> is kind of where the, the Vanta Black story started actually 2014 from from memory I was there I remember the Vanta Black uh, legend that's very true we, we went to Farnborough Air Show thinking we would probably get five or six people that would be interested in the technology and surprisingly enough a newspaper I can't remember which one had run a story about it and all of a sudden we're at the trade show and there's CNN there there's a BBC there ABC you know, television companies from all over the world broadcasting about the development of this material. And we were quite shocked because as engineers, we're just, well, it's a black material. Why is everybody so interested in it? But it turns out that it's uh, something that really does attract attention. It does. For, I, I'm guessing all the listen, anyone listening to this knows what Vanta Black is, given they've tuned in and <laughs> to this podcast. But why don't, let's start right at the, let's start at the very beginning. Um, first of all, you, you're an inventor. You kind of came up with this stuff. Just tell the, tell the listeners, what is Vanta Black? Okay, so we'll step back. So Vanta Black was originally a super black material grown from carbon nanotubes. So aligned carbon nanotubes. And carbon nanotubes are these really tiny nanomaterial straw-like structures so if you imagine a drinking straw that has a wall one atom thick, and then there's a whole bunch of them stacked inside each other, and then you grow billions of them across a surface with very, very precise spacing, what happens? Light or photons hit the surface structure and they get trapped within it and they bounce around and they're absorbed and they're dissipated as heat in the substrate. So what happens with normal black? Because you think about black, like I'm looking at my phone, for example, and it's uh, it's black. Do photon, what happens with normal black? Photons bounce off and it doesn't look very black no so so what happens with the conventional paint so paints are made up from a pigment and it may be a black yeah. pigment a red pigment and then they have a binder so the photon has to transit through the binder to get to the pigment and so that binder system has what we call a refractive index so the way light passes through it is slightly different um, to the way that it passes through air or something like that therefore the coating can't efficiently absorb photons in the same way as a van der Black structure that has no binder in it. It's a pure optical structure that has no inhibition for the photons to get into it. Why did you make this? Did you make it as a kind of art project or some kind of <laughs> thing? Or like how? Because it seems, you know, like the famous story of like, oh, post-it notes, they kind of invented it by mistake or that kind of thing. Is, was it that? No, no, there was a very serious application. So I've been working on growing carbon nanotubes at reduced temperature. So typically these materials were grown in quite complicated reactors and they were grown around seven, 800 centigrade. 
And we've been working on a technology to reduce that temperature down to 400 centigrade so they could be used in microchips. So we've been working on this technology. We've published some papers on it. And one day, this amazing guy from National Physical Laboratory um, got in touch with us and said, hey, we've read about this development work you're doing. We want to make a black body system for space-based calibration. So, of course, we said, yeah, we could do this. This is simple. No problem. We'll take our process and we'll grow it on aluminium. Uh, well, it wasn't that simple. It was incredibly complicated. Um, and we would set out to make a material with a 1% reflectance. But when you transfer something from semiconductor grade, ultra high purity materials onto industrial aluminium, all of a sudden you have a whole load of contamination problems that crop up and it is quite a complicated process. But eventually we nailed it, it worked, and we were growing ultra black materials and aluminium. We didn't know how black though. And then one day NPL phoned us up and said, we just measured this material. This is like crazy. We've never measured anything this black. And we're like, oh, okay, great. What does that actually mean? And we didn't really understand what had happened. And they went on to say, no, not, not just us. No one has ever measured the material this black. And we were like looking at each other and going, okay, great. This sounds really good. So it's good for space then. But it's not just about the blackness of the material that makes it unique. Okay, so the thing and the thing that makes Vantablack look so strange, it's its ability to absorb energy from all arrival angles. So when you have some black object, um, I'm looking for one on my desk right in front of me. Okay, so this is pretty black. It's injection molded plastic. It's pretty black and you could make it very black. But the thing is, you will always know its shape because light interacts with it differently depending on how you're viewing it and how the light is arriving. Yeah, I'm looking at it and I can see the corners and it's clearly a black injection molded plastic plug, even though it's black. Okay, and even if you made it very black, it would still be visible and you would still understand what it is. To take the third dimension away and make it two dimensions, you have to absorb the light uniformly from all angles. And the moment you absorb the light uniformly from all angles, you look at it and your ability to interact with it as a 3D object is taken away from you. All of a sudden, what you see is a two-dimensional object, but your mind knows it's three dimensions, so it starts to play tricks on you. And this is something you can never get from seeing it online. You have to see it in reality. In, in, well, they, well here, okay, so here's the thing. So you develop this material for science purposes. Well, not for science purposes, and it's kind of better than you imagined it to be for space calibration satellites and space calibration and that kind of stuff. When did it suddenly kind of cross over into this sort of cultural market? When did suddenly people kind of in the public consciousness become aware of it, not just for its uses, but just because it looks so weird? That's a very, very interesting question. Perhaps I'll also step back a bit as well. So the original material was this vertically aligned material that we grew in, in, in plasma reactors, and it was a very complicated, quite high temperature process. Um, today, Van der Black is a brand name for a range of materials that have exceptional performance. And the thing that makes them all stand out is that they uniformly absorb light from all angles. So when you paint something with them, they have this you know, three-dimension to two-dimensional effect that they look flat. Now, going back to your question, when we were exhibiting at Farnborough Air Show and the press started to show a lot of interest and it, and it was quite crazy, we had over the following, let's say, month or so, about 400 inquiries from artists. And this really took us by surprise because we were an engineering company working on space coatings and working on semiconductor applications. So having artists come to us and say, hey, we want to use this paint on our sculpture we want to use it on this we want to use it on that it was like 
why? Why would you be interested in doing that? And that comes to a deeper question about our relationship with the colour black, you know, throughout history from the time we were in caves at night, hiding from animals that were trying to hunt us, painting pictures on the wall with charcoal and animal fat, to the, the Renaissance and all the great masters that were painting and using black, to, to what we see today is, you know, black is sleek, black is sexy. It is. And it's funny as well, kind of, t- I've noticed that television manufacturers, OLED manufacturers who make modern television sets, are obsessed by black. It's become the kind of marketing tool. Oh, yes, very deep black. Just, I just want to pause there because, you know, you said you had lots of inquiries from hunters kind of, you know, from the, from the art world, not the science world, interested in this from a visual point of view. One of them was from me and you very kindly sent me some. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> so, so I have some on my, and I'm holding it up to the camera now. I'm showing it to Ben. The, the slightly annoying thing is it's in, a, it's in a Perspex box. So I get lots of reflections, but it is the most extraordinary thing because just for the listeners, it's on a kind of crumpled piece of aluminium and you can see it's crumpled. But then when you look at it face on, you cannot tell. It's complete, it just looks completely flat. And it does something very odd to, to you because it, because it doesn't reflect any light at all. It just looks like a hole in, in reality. And I remember when I was a kid, I think it was Wile E. Coyote or one of those cartoons. They had this thing where they invented a hole which you could paint on walls and then you could go through it. Like you could escape from prison. Wile E. Coyote would put it... Would, paint this hole on the side of something I could go through it and it totally reminded me of that and I'm wondering whether that was a kind of an inspiration like people like me remember that cartoon and or what is it that was so fun about that cartoon that, and is so amazing about this yeah I'm it, it, just for fun we post some applications of Anthoblack just so people can see what it looks like in reality and one of the things we did was a, a parabolic dish and we coated the inside of it And I got one of my scientists at the time just to hold it up in the lab. And I took a picture of it. And that picture literally went viral across the world because someone on Reddit has said, this is a Vanta Black basketball. And we were like, no, it's not. This is a... a, 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 a." But but you can see where they got it from when you see the picture because the scientist is holding it up and and it looks like this really weird... It, It literally looks like someone's photoshopped a black disc out of in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, but you can't really see it online. You've actually got to stand in front of it. Actually, well, just while I've got this, while I've got my little my little sample here, oh, supplied by Surrey Nanosystems. It's got this. It's it's got the thing, it's, and it's got Vantablack written on it. If I took it out of its box, and I obviously I haven't, what would it feel like? Like you you know you you talk about it in terms of like little mini tiny tiny drinking straws. Would it feel fuzzy? Like if I run, run my, ran my finger down it, did, would it feel, would it come off? So the material you have there is your original aligned material. Um, we don't actually manufacture that anymore because it doesn't really have any commercial value in our space and automotive applications. But that, that's the material that held the world record. Um, the, the thing is, if you ran your finger across it, you don't have the resolution in your finger to feel the texture because it's at the nanoscale. You know, it's, it's not a thick film. It's down at the nanoscale. So you wouldn't really feel anything, but what you would do, you would bend the forest of carbon nanotubes. And so they would start to interact with light very differently. And those ones would be quite fragile. Okay. The interesting thing on that is if you take that object that you've got there and you look right across it, you'll see some reflection coming back to you. And that's the photons bouncing off the tips of the carbon nanotubes at a very shallow angle. 
Oh, I see. I, I can. I've never done that before. I'm looking at it sideways on and I can see a little kind of white, almost like white smudge or paler smudges. Yeah. So you see a little bit of um, reflection coming off and that's photons arriving at very shallow angle, bouncing off. Now, the right. materials we manufacture today have none of that. They're, they absolutely surpass this technology. And these are the materials that the artists are talking about because they, they have this ability to you put them on a three dimensional object and all of a sudden it appears two dimensional. Can I, can I ask you, as the inventor, how, how did you feel in 2014 when, first of all, you'd invented something that potentially was very, very useful for the science and engineering industry, for the space industry? Did you kind of go cha-ching? And then how did you feel when the kind of story took off? And, and we'll get on to the, the, the Anish Kapoor kind of story as a bit later on. Like you, I kind of, it's been such an odd story. And I'm just wondering how you felt throughout it. I would say it was an unexpected result. We didn't expect that result because from our point of view, when we developed the original material, there was a, an engineering task to deliver a material of equivalent performance to Martin Hart's Black for space-based calibration systems. So we had no concept of the outside world really being interested in other than the curiosity at the engineering scale. Um, I think the moment that really jumps out at me is when we developed the, the spray-based Vantablack, Vantablack SVs. That was a, a moment where it was just stunning. And, I, it, and, I, and I'll tell you about it because everybody thought it had been, would be impossible to develop a spray-based material with the same performance as an aligned material. They just didn't think that could be done. Kind of applies a bit like a, like a spray paint. Yeah, you spray it on. Um, it, has, it has complex post-processing, but you literally spray it on. And everybody in the scientific community thought that was impossible. Okay, and so we'd been developing this technology, um, and one day one of the scientists came up to me with this little black square and said, "Oh, Ben, look!" And I said, "Yeah, okay." So it looks black, looks good. He said, "No, no, really, look." And I'm looking at this square on the lab bench, and I'm like, "Okay, well, what am I looking at other than the black surface?" And all of a sudden, he got some tweezers, and he lifted this object off the surface that was three dimensions. And I was literally stunned because that is the first time in the world anybody had managed to make a uniformly absorbing coating that could be sprayed on at such a high level of performance. And, and it was just at that point that I literally sat back stunned. And I thought everybody thought this was impossible. It couldn't be done. When you set out on the road to develop something, you hope you will get to an outcome that is you know, a quarter or half or nearly where you want it to be, you know, in, in the best way possible. In this case, we got as far as we could go. You couldn't have done any better because that object was totally invisible to me, no matter how close I looked at it, because the light was completely uniformly absorbed from all angles. It's a really good example, I think, of, of how innovation works. You know, you started, you got sort of Vantablack kind of by accident. It, it sort of gained this cultural reputation and became a kind of a curiosity, if you like. But you didn't sort of stop there. You, it, you sort of carried on and, and that now it's developed into something better and more useful. But the sort of legend of Van der Black lives on, which I, which I really like. Just for those of you who don't know, listeners who don't know, so correct me if I'm wrong, Anish Kapoor licensed Van der Black. They are, he's a conceptual artist, Anish Kapoor, very famous conceptual artist, licensed Van der Black in order to use it in his installations and, and, and such. But he was the only artist who was allowed to. And then he annoyed everyone. All the other artists got really cross that an artist would dare to claim it for themselves. And then other people set up. I can't remember the name of the guy. There's a guy who had the pinkest pink. Stuart Semple, that's right. 
and he said he he came up with other blacks and colors and you were allowed to buy it online unless you were anish kapoor in which case you weren't allowed to buy it that was quite funny but it's quite fun but people we 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 like that we enjoy those sorts of stories i think and they sort of i like the kind of segue between the the, the technology and the, and the art world it was rather fun I think the thing that really jumped out from the, our experience with working with an artist like Anish Kapoor was how emotional and how annoyed people get about not being able to use something. And I, and I don't know, it's a, it's, it's a really strange one. So I, I imagine, let's say, you know, I went to Turner and his pigment maker and said, oh, you've made this amazingly black pigment. I want to use it. I would have been laughed out of his studio. Quite rightly so, the same with all the great masters and all the great painters that made their own pigments. But today it seems that if something exists, people feel they have an automatic right to it. And I think the internet's changed things like that. So yes, we have an exclusive agreement with Anish Kapoor for very, very good reasons. The materials that we create in some applications are export controlled by the government. They're manufactured in space qualified facilities. It means that when we put a product into that reactor that's going to be coated with our coating and go into space, it means we can't put something else into the reactor that might contaminate it without having to go through a whole requalification process, which is extremely long and costly. So with the the inquiries that we got from all the artists, we just looked at who could we work with, whose art resonated with us the most, And who did we get on with and was local to us and could fit within the constraints that we had? And when we first worked with the niche, we were growing the CVD materials that were not suitable for art. They weren't suitable for his his art. They weren't suitable for anybody's art because they weren't paints. They were grown at high temperature in extremely complicated processes. It was only when we developed the spray coatings that that relationship took off. And we started to explore whether this material could be used in art, not if it could be, because we didn't know. And the first Vantablack exhibition is now in Venice at the moment, the centerpiece of the Venice Banale. And, you know, I love it. You, you go in there and you see, with your own eyes, objects that just don't appear to be real in the way they interact with light and 3D space around them. It is amazing stuff. I'm so, you know, I've had this, you know, on my desk for a few years. Because it's in a Perspex box, there's so much reflection. And um, I've sort of investigated of trying to take it out of the box. And I've realised that you guys did a really good job putting it in the box. So I couldn't (laughs) take it. But I should leave it in the box, shouldn't I? I shouldn't try and remove it. Because you're not making this stuff anymore. In a way, it's become a kind of cultural icon, a cultural artifact i suppose of of a really interesting story of innovation and invention yeah one of the problems with super black materials is because they're so black that dust if it hits and lands them stands out like little diamonds so a normal black surface you wouldn't notice the dust on it but if you took that out and you let it stand for 10 minutes then skin dust anything would land on it and it starts to look really really horrible You know, you have all these little bits of debris that you would never normally see with your eye because of the huge contrast between the dust and the super black surface. It stands out. So that's one of the the other reasons to always keep them behind behind plastic or glass surface. I shall keep it. I shall not break open the box in order to to play with it. We'll be back after this short break. How much of a tyrant really was Julius Caesar? 
And it's very interesting to think about why it's Caesar in particular when there have been many political assassinations in the past millennia, why Caesar's has been the one that is brought up again and again. Would we have ever stood a chance against the first dinosaurs? In the Jurassic, you see dinosaurs get bigger and you see meat-eating dinosaurs grow into things like the size of buses. And did Helen of Troy really have the power to launch a thousand ships? She is always derided as this sort of terrible adulteress, but at least as old as Homer, at least the 8th century BCE, is a counter-tradition in which Helen doesn't go to Troy. She's never Helen of Troy, she's Helen of Egypt. Well, you can expect all of this and more from the ancients on History Hit. Join us twice a week, every week, as we explore some of the greatest moments of our ancient past. Subscribe to The Ancients wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So where? So, so let me just get, in terms of blackest black. So Van der Black was the blackest black, and it was nine point nine ninety nine point nine six five percent absorbing. Okay, but it's been beaten because since since the sort of art war started with Anish Kapoor and the entire art world, right. other people have been experimenting with black coatings and 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 you know Surrey Nanosystems and you yourselves. Where are we now? What, where is the record? now and does it matter and do we care and um i mean we to be honest we don't really care it's one of those fun things i think people love to be able to uh, brag that they've got the blackest in the world but it's it's to make that claim it's actually very complicated because it's at what part of the electromagnetic spectrum is it the blackest what machine did you measure it on i mean all, all i can say is our coating was verified and measured by the national physical laboratory one of the world's leading standards Okay, and experts in that field. Other people can say on their lab bit of equipment, we measured it and it's 10 times black or it's 100, yeah, whatever. I mean, does it really matter? Um, for us, no. Our product is used in, in space. It's, you know, what can we say? It works. It's available. You can come and see it. Okay, so if someone else is saying, I've got something in production and it's as black as, then show us. Let's see it in production. Let's see it in applications. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think from my perspective, it's always fun. It's always really interesting, and I think the research people do is pretty amazing, trying to push the boundaries. But fundamentally, electronics isn't sensitive enough to take advantage of going any blacker than that, because you know you can have exceptionally black surfaces, but if you haven't got the electronics to take advantage of it, because the sensitivity of the electronics or the sensing system isn't going to have any benefit from going blacker, and going you know, 10% blacker costs 100 times more, then there's no commercial benefit in doing that. And so as a company, we only work in areas where there's commercial value, i.e. we're delivering a coating in space applications because it benefits our space customers or in automotive applications because it benefits our automotive customers. By the way, the reason I wanted it was because um, I, was ha- I had a conversation with an astronaut who, who, who uh, went to the moon and he was talking about 
black and blackest black and actually looking out you know from into space away from the moon and and just he was talking about how difficult it was to comprehend quite how black space was i had to interview him and so i thought oh actually what i really need is some vanta black and then i can whip it out and go was it as black as this and so that's why I, <laughs> that's why that's why i had it and i did do that it was uh, he was like yeah it was about that black that's the kind of that's the kind of thing we are it is funny though how obsessed we are by black how beyond beyond it being a useful substance it does something to us emotionally whether you're staring into space or staring into a black hole or doing a wily e. coyote cartoon where you have a, a hole you can paint that you can then crawl through there is something there is something emotional about it no absolutely and also i think you know through an evolutionary process we have an amazing ability to see different shades of black if i showed you a sample of a material that had 99.5% absorption versus one that had 99.6% with your eyes you would be able to see that a camera, a camera would never be able to see it, um, and you could, couldn't see it on a screen, but your eyes can see it. And that's uh, an evolutionary thing. So we, as we were evolving and living in caves and being predated by, being hunted, hunted by animals and things like that, the people with the best ability to see in the evening and in the twilight and in the dark were the people that were surviving. They weren't the people that would be taken by animals and hunted. So we've come through generations and generations and thousands and thousands of years of evolution where our ability to discern black and white and shades of grey is amazing compared to colour. And yet here we are, we can only, we're very black and white in our thinking. <laughs> the human brain's evolved to, to avoid nuance at all costs. Sorry, anyway, yes, exactly, yeah. And the human ear as well, all our senses, I'm, I'm amazed at just how ridiculous they are. Like, for example, here we are talking, and I can hear a bloody leaf blower over there that's annoying me. So, so yeah, I mean, getting back to your question about our emotional connection to it, I mean, you know, it's, it's had negative connotations, positive connotations, you know, you have the whole clergy wearing black, you know, the, the religious connotations of it that are positive and negative, you know, people using it in art. And today, black cars, black building, black clothes, you know, different types of black, different environments that you go into where you want to have a different emotional connection to it. They all involve a form of black, whether it's highly specular, polished on a car or matte or super matte like Vanta Black. But the thing that's common with it is that you have this emotional interaction with it when you go into that environment. So, yeah, I mean, it's all pervasive. It's something that never really gets old. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. I'm sure in 100 years, and 1,000 years, the builders and the architects that will be uh, looking at the best type of blacks they can use to um, change a visitor's uh, perception of their environment. Hey, listen, Ben, thank you so much for, for joining me. I've been so fascinated by this, uh, this artefact, this object that's been on my desk for several years. I look at it every single day and it, and, and it does fascinate me. And it, I love it. I love the story because, again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a science and engineering story, which is great. It's also a cultural story, which is great. And it's also a very personal story. It's your story, which is really, really lovely. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Apologies for the uh, leaf blower, which honestly, that's my... Uh, when I'm prime minister which will be soon. My first thing will be getting rid of bloody leaf blows. That's really crazy. But thank Fantastic. you very much. And I'll see you again Brilliant. soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Right, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to find out more about Vanta Black, then look at the Surrey Nanosystems website or just Google Vanta Black. There is so much about Vanta Black 
online, particularly because of the controversy amongst the art world with it and, and things. It's, there's some great reading out there on the subject. So enjoy going down that particular rabbit hole, that black rabbit hole. If you've enjoyed today's episode, Oh, goodness. Everyone says this at the end of every podcast all the time. So I apologise. But please do leave a rating and a review if you like, because it helps others discover the show. And it's, um, you know, it, it's it's good for us. So thank you very much. We would really, really appreciate it. Uh, coming up in September, we have got a mini series, a three parter. Actually, it might turn out to be more than three parts. Three parts at the moment on the invention of forensic, different aspects of forensic, forensic science. Really, really fascinating. I, I absolutely love doing it. Also, get in touch if you've got more ideas that you want us to cover, if you've got stories that you love that you, that, that are really interesting or things that you've wondered about or things that you've wondered if, if, if are true, etc., etc. Get in touch. We will add them to our list. And of course, we will credit you if we do uh, use one of, one of those stories. Next week, um, it's beautiful weather outside. Next week, we're going to be talking about the weather. We're going to be talking about climate geoengineering. Uh, which is controversial and fascinating, particularly things like cloud seeding, the ability to be able to make it rain, which you may have heard of. That's coming up next time. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch, download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Falk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code PATENTED at the checkout. You get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.